welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 108, Ye Shall Go Out with Joy. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. I am so excited because I have been waiting for this week of Isaiah. Chapter 55 is one of my favorites, and that's what we're going to focus on. The whole thing is, is just perfection, but we are going to focus on verses 7 through 13. Starting in verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Okay, first, I just love that phrase. He will abundantly pardon. He won't just pardon. He will abundantly pardon. And then next, what do you think about the difficulty of forsaking our way for the Lord's? Sometimes I think it's easy. And sometimes, especially when I don't realize that I'm even doing it, I think it's really hard. In some ways, I feel aligned with the Lord. And so going with him in his way isn't hard because I already feel aligned with him in that way. But when it's especially difficult is when I don't feel aligned, when I don't want that thing that he wants me to do, or I am struggling with something. Those are the moments that we are forsaking our way for his. It's what this life What we all agreed to here on earth is all about. The Savior, as Jehovah, declared what our mission was in the premortal council in heaven. In Abraham chapter 3, verse 25, the Savior says, And we will prove them herewith, to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. To see if they will do all things. Now, like I said, it's easy for me to think about all things as all the things that I'm already in line with the Lord on. But when it feels tricky is when we get to my weaknesses and the things that I actually legitimately struggle with. I really do cling to the way that I am inclined to do things my way. And sometimes it feels tricky to even find the Lord's way, especially when it involves areas that we are weak. So I think my question for myself is where in my life? Am I clinging to my way and ignoring or avoiding the Lord's? And where is this sometimes seemingly elusive way? Although it may seem that way sometimes, the Lord hasn't hidden the way from us at all. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We overcomplicate the way. The way is constant reliance and dependence on Jesus Christ. The way is doing the next right thing with the Savior as your partner. And one of the primary ways he works with you as his partner is through repentance. When we don't do the right thing. Going on to verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I was talking to my sister this week about this exact topic. When something rubs me the wrong way in doctrine or church history, I try to remember two things. One, kind of not related to what we're talking about, as we have clearly seen from our study of the Old Testament, no one is perfect, even prophets. And number two, am I really so arrogant to think that the Lord's commands and doctrine could be possibly discounted because of my brain and what I think is right, which is heavily influenced by my own culture 
and my society's incomprehensibly flawed version of morality? He knows so much more than me. He knows so much more than the wisest person on earth. He understands the plan with a perspective we couldn't possibly understand right now. He sees our potential and what we can become and what is required to fulfill that potential. Who am I to think that my reasoning could outreason the Lord, no matter what the issue is? Accepting that the Lord's ways are higher than our ways is the key to overcoming sin. There is a book that I love that I have in my house by Adam Miller, and it's called Letters to a Young Mormon. And in this book, he writes letters to his daughter explaining gospel topics to her, and he always calls her S. He says, Dear S, being a good person doesn't mean you're not a sinner. Sin goes deep. Being good will save you a lot of trouble, but it won't solve you the problem of sin. Only God can do this. Fill your basket with good apples rather than bad ones. But in the end, sin has as much to do with the basket as the apples. Sin depends not just on your actions, but the story you use those actions to tell. Like everyone, you have a story you want your life to tell. You have your own way of doing things and your own way of thinking about things. But my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, God's work in your life is bigger than the story you'd like your life to tell. His life is bigger than your plans, goals, or fears. To save your life, you'll have to lay down your stories and minute by minute, day by day, give your life back to Him. Preferring your stories to His life is sin. Life is full of stories. But life is not a story. God doesn't love your story. He loves you. Don't you love what he says there? Preferring your stories to his life is sin. We have to be willing to give up the stories we're telling ourselves in our head to help fulfill his purpose. His purpose being to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And you are one of those people who he is trying to bring to pass immortality and eternal life for. And how does he do that? Let's move on to the next verse in chapter 55, verse 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth food and bud, that it may give the seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. What a perfect analogy. The water cycle you learned about in fourth grade is one of those things that denote there is a God and one of those things that show us that all things are spiritual. A drop of rain has never fallen in the history of the earth without purpose. It is the life-giving element scientists search for on other planets because it is the first indication that life is possible. The rain is what makes possible every beautiful living thing you have ever seen, including yourself. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereto I sent it. The word of the Lord is that life-giving water for us, and it is declared here that his word will not return to him void. It will not return to him without accomplishing his purpose. 
without prospering the thing to which he sent it. And who did he send it to? He sent it to you. When rain falls on a stone, what happens? Does the stone get benefit? No, it's hard and impenetrable. But does the rain end its journey there? No, it flows on, gathering strength and momentum, till it finds a place to nourish, to make green and beautiful. So what are you going to choose to be? The stone or the soft ground? Either way, the Lord's purposes will still be accomplished. And what is that purpose? Before we go into what Isaiah says next, let's remember what Lehi told his son Jacob about the plan of our Father in heaven and its purpose. 2 Nephi chapter 2, verses 22-30 through 30. And now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen, but he would have remained in the Garden of Eden, and all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created, and they must have remained forever and had no end, and they would have had no children. Wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of time that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because that they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil to act for themselves and not to be acted upon, save it be by the punishment of the law at the great and last day according to the commandments which God hath given him. Wherefore men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man, and they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all man, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil, for he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. And now, my sons, I would that ye should look to the great mediator, and hearken unto his great commandments, and be faithful unto his words, and choose eternal life according to the will of his Holy Spirit and not choose eternal death according to the will of the flesh and the evil which is therein, which giveth the spirit of the devil power to captivate, to bring you down to hell, that he may reign over you in his own kingdom. I have spoken these few words unto you all, my sons, in the last days of my probation, and I have chosen the good part, according to the words of the prophet, and I have none other object, save it be the everlasting welfare of your souls. Amen. Just as Lehi said that to his son, The Lord could say that to us. I have none other object, save it be the everlasting welfare of your soul. Adam fell that men might be, and men are, that they might have joy. Joy, that is the purpose. Joy in eternal families, in righteousness, in endless posterity, in the fulfillment of all the promises that we've been learning about in the Old Testament as covenant Israel. What Isaiah says next is your future if you are yoked to the Savior. Verse 12, for ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Living the gospel is joy. That doesn't mean we won't ever feel sadness. If we don't know sadness, we won't know joy. The Lord himself experienced it, not just in mortality. He experienced it as Jehovah and he experiences it now. The joy we are talking about is different than fun. Elder Bednar described joy in his BYU devotional called That They Might Have Joy. He says, A common dictionary definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. 
In comparison, the guide to the scriptures describes joy as a condition of great happiness that results from righteous living. Interestingly, our gospel perspective helps us to understand that joy is more than a fleeting feeling or emotion. Rather, it is a spiritual gift and a state of being and becoming. Adam and Eve summarized the vital lessons they learned from the Eternal Father and from their own experience. Adam declared, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression my eyes are opened, and in this life I shall have joy, and again in the flesh I shall see God. And Eve said, Were it not for our transgression, we never should have had seed, and never should have known good and evil, and the joy of our redemption, and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. The Father's plan of happiness enables His children to obtain a physical body and gain mortal experience, to choose righteousness in the presence of evil and temptation, and to assist Heavenly Father with His great plan through honorable marriage and parenthood. Ultimately, at the time of our resurrection, the spirit and the body are to be united never again to be divided, that they might receive a fullness of joy. I believe the contrast between righteous joy and worldly fun is instructive and helps us better understand the nature of true joy. Joy comes from exercising faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, worthily receiving and faithfully honoring sacred ordinances and covenants, and striving to become deeply converted to the Savior and His purposes. Fun is the result of amusement, playful and often boisterous action or speech, or pleasurable diversion. A day on the rides at Disneyland is fun, worthily preparing for and participating in the ordinance of the sacrament is joyful. Joy is primarily spiritual. Fun primarily is temporal. Joy primarily is enduring. Fun primarily is temporary. Joy primarily is deep and rich. Fun primarily is shallow. Joy primarily is whole and complete. Fun primarily is partial. Joy primarily pertains to mortality and eternity. Fun pertains only to mortality. How important is it for us to never confuse or trade the enduring, deep joy of devoted discipleship for temporary and shallow fun? The Redeemer is the ultimate and only source of enduring and eternal joy. The prophet Jacob testified, But behold the righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel, they who have believed in the Holy One of Israel, they who have endured the crosses of the world and despised the shame of it, they shall inherit the kingdom of God, which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, sincere repentance invites us to turn to and depend upon Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. Please consider carefully the response of King Benjamin's people to his teachings about the Savior's atonement. And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about upon the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. And they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, O oh, have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness for of our sins, and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins, and having peace of conscience 
because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ who should come. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, obedience invites us to follow Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. The Savior declared to his disciples, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And no man receive a fullness, unless he keepeth his commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light, until he is glorified in truth, and knoweth all things. Our Father in Heaven's plan is so perfect, and his word that he has declared will not come back void is intended that you might use it to be nourished, and from it you can derive the joy that we are told is possible. And Eve knew that that joy comes from rejoicing in the redemption provided by the Savior. I want to leave you with one last thought. Just as the Lord's words shall not return back to him void, neither will yours. And what you do and say in your life will return to you for good or evil, depending on what you choose. We are apprentices to a loving Father in heaven. We have the opportunity to learn how to use our words and actions for good, just as he does. In this future that we can't comprehend, the future that we are working toward, we are learning to send our righteous energy out to accomplish righteousness and beauty, just as our Father does. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.